We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews, the tweets, the retweets, the shares, the emails. Well, just thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today. Avi Levine of Star Funding. Avi grew up in a family of successful entrepreneurs, and he knew for a long time he wanted to help businesses grow. In college, he pursued marketing, but soon figured out this wasn't quite the right fit for him. After college, he worked for a few different businesses doing sales and operations and helping them build, but he wanted to help businesses even earlier in the game. He took up a side hustle in affiliate marketing and specifically in driving leads to an online business lender. He found he liked the idea of helping businesses find capital. With a strong grasp of finance, he started knocking on doors to companies where he could help businesses get financed. He was turned down because he didn't have the kind of experience or education they wanted, but he was able to convince one of them otherwise. He's now been at Star Funding for over seven years, unusual for his type of work where people move around every couple of years. Star Funding helps businesses by lending them capital in order to fulfill orders. They lend a business money specifically to help them fulfill the order, then get paid back when they get paid. Avi also helps businesses in other ways as his side hustle, where it's helping secure a contract or figuring out a supply chain issue. Sometimes it's just a matter of providing another perspective or encouraging an entrepreneur to do something they didn't think they could do. Now, let's get better together. Avi Levine. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, you work at a company called Star Funding, which funds people, which every single entrepreneur I've ever talked to is always like, how do I get funding? How do I get funding? How do I get funding? So anytime I can have someone on that actually does that business, knows about it, 
you know, can give some insights. It's just always a pleasure. And also, you know, we were talking a little bit ahead of time about you've even got your own side hustle, which gosh, what entrepreneur doesn't have a side hustle, but you, you need, you need, one. You need I, one. I think so. You know what? I think so. I think it's, uh, I think it keeps it sharp. I think it, it sharpens the ax, you know, like, you know, it's fine to have your, your normal gig. I mean, I have a, my normal gig at JSY PR and marketing, but like, I, you got to push the envelope a little bit, like get out in the mix. I don't know. Maybe I'm just can't focus. No. <laughs> no, you, that, well, that, that too, that too, you, know, when you get like <laughs> bored of your job. You still need to be productive. And if you could have fun, you know, doing something else that's, that's making you money or building your connections or educating yourself, you know, priming the pump, whatever it may be. Um, you have to do it and you yeah. have to stay excited. You have to, something has to excite you every day to get out of bed. Yeah, for and sure. I mean, if you have a couple of things that excite you, it's even better. Yeah. Part of the reason I do the podcast. So um, we'll, uh, we'll talk all about that because I love that sort of stuff. But before we get going, as I always like to say, Tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Sure. So I have a bit of a um, alternative type of background, I guess you could say, for people that are, are in my type of position in finance, where I always knew I wanted to do something with helping businesses grow. And I thought that was marketing. So I studied marketing in college. And I was like, what the heck do I do with a marketing degree? I can go work in a marketing department. And... And I was like, no, it's not really what I wanted. I wanted to do something more on like strategy, consulting, advisory work. Um, I grew up in a very entrepreneur family. My family's owned restaurants along the Jersey Shore and car washes. And my dad had a, before I was born, had strip clubs and like all those stuff, right? So he was always very entrepreneurial. Wow, wow. Um, and that's what I did. So even like my first year of college, we were talking about, hey, it's time to like renew for next year. And I said, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go back. I'm going to, I'm going to go home and I want to like buy some laundromats or something and just follow the whole entrepreneurial path. Um, my dad didn't like that idea. He said, no, you can't be like me. You got to like do something better. So I, I stayed in college, got a sales job outside of college, was miserable for like six months and then went to go work for a friend of my dad's where he built a line of, um, uh, chemicals for natural stone restoration. It's like little diamond abrasive tools that's used for grinding marble and granite surfaces. Um, we did that for about four years and it was fun. It was exactly what I wanted to do, you know, building a business, being involved, working with the customers, working with the vendors, but it wasn't an industry that I wanted to be in. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm leaving the business. Um, you can have it. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to, if you leave, I'm going to shut it down. So he shuts it down. Uh, nine years later, he actually, I started getting emails that he's selling these products again. So I was busting his chops like, Hey, where are my royalties? You know? Um, but then I got kind of like caught up. I moved into New York city. I got caught up in just like having a job to pay my bills and try to figure out what I'm going to do on the side. But that was impossible because when you have like a regular job, it, it's hard to create that first side hustle, right? Um, or that first, you know, building a business, you had to leave, but you had bills to pay and, and find that balance is tough. So I went to, I worked for Equinox Fitness for a couple of years and I went to work for Bonobos, who at the time was doing something really cool. They were like one of the first digitally native menswear brands that you could just go online and buy clothes. Yeah. And when you think about it, 15 years ago, whenever it was founded, like who was buying clothes on the internet? <laughs> it's absurd. It is. It it's is. totally crazy, right? Yeah, it is. And they're like, and they're like, no, you could buy, and if you don't like, just send it back. We'll pay for the shipping, right? Yeah. yeah. Start buying clothes on the internet. 
and they're crushing it. And they say, well, we also should have stores because why not? And let's like develop this innovative uh, retail model um, where we're going to get rid of the two biggest, you know, uh, cost line items, the the real estate and inventory. And we're going to open up a store. It's going to be a showroom. People come on, try stuff on, and then order it on the internet. So I went to go work for them to help roll out these brick and mortar stores because of my experience at, at Equinox and dealing with stores and customer experiences and how to, you know, again, how, how to tell a story, right? It's something new. They need someone that knew how to do that. The, um, the role became very operational because they were opening up so many stores. I found myself like at one time, they're like, oh, we need um, San Francisco opened in three weeks. So I tell the contractor, he's like, it's not possible. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm coming out there. So we're going to finish it. And uh, I remember one night, um, the contractor leaves. The next day he comes in and the whole store is pretty much painted. And he's like, what the hell happened? I was like, I, I painted the store because we need to get open. Right. So I was like sitting there myself painting the store. And um, the, I've, I've been to that store in San Francisco. So on the, on the one on the second floor. Yeah. 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 Good right? job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We used so, to, we used to uh, do promotions with them. My Jane, my late wife, uh, who used to own JSY before she died. Um, yeah. We used to, they were really cool about giving us like promotions and stuff for the events we did. So yeah. She's like, yeah, Oh, we're going to yeah. go to this Bonobos place or what? I'm like, what the hell? I don't, Oh yeah. Just you're going to, I'm going to take you there and they're going to hook you up. And it was like, Oh wow. I felt like, a, felt like a King almost or like, gosh, yeah, they yeah, really yeah. taking good care of me. This is, this is not, this is odd for a guy. Like guys, when we don't buy clothes, we like go in and like, yeah, I'll take beer, that. Hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beer, was, hang out. Exactly. Account. Exactly. It was really cool. It was very, the first sort of like experience for, I mean, cause of course, high end experience, you know, like if you ever get like, if, it, well, if you ever buy a wedding dress, <laughs> you know, which I right. didn't do, but you know, Jane did, that's a whole experience too. And this was sort of like this experience where it was like, God, oh, this is really cool. They sit you down, they, yeah. they bring out stuff for you to try on, try something new. It's not just, I need to buy a sweater. Like, well, why don't you pair it with this jacket so you can see what it's like? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, you know, we, we set those up in, in, in Boston and in, uh, Dallas and Austin. Um, and we had a lot of fun doing it. It was, it was a, it turned out to be a pretty operational role. And at the time I was like having a child and, you know, still it just wasn't enough for what I was looking for. You know, I was getting involved in, in a startup within a startup, but this startup was like too far developed that I didn't feel like I was really contributing. And you know, I wanted to be something more ground level. So um, a kid that I sat next to, he was always doing like getting himself involved in these weird things online and he got into affiliate marketing. And so I said, oh, that's pretty neat. How does that work? He's like, well, we drive traffic to these links and people buy stuff and we make money. So we did some stuff for uh, hotels.com. We did some stuff for some uh, referral rewards programs that were kind of against the terms of service. So they took all of our credits back, but we were making like literally um, some weeks, $10,000 in like referral rewards or different credit or cash for affiliate marketing, right? We're, we're having a lot of fun. And we said, what's the, if we're going to be going through this process, what's the bigger ticket items that we could find to sell on the internet? And at the time we found that hotels was, was, was profitable and also online lending where people were borrowing money for their businesses on the internet. Again, this was eight years ago. Nobody was going to the internet to take out a loan. It was very new for people. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I said, all right, we need to drive people. It's not the same thing. We need to drive people from the physical world 
onto the internet to take out loans, right? Which it should be easy as long as we could inform them as to what's going on. So we did things like took flyers and handed them out of trade shows to drive people to my website to then go to on deck and go wherever else to take out these loans online. And as I started learning more about that business, um, learning about the more higher ticket loans that different types of uh, finance institutions were offering and saying, I could drive these leads to you. I just had to add it into the list of offerings that I'm providing with, with my other clients. And um, so I started doing that and, and decided that this is what I want to do. I want to sit down with businesses and talk about what are their challenges with growth and be able to offer them something of incredible value that helps them get to where they want to be. But it wasn't marketing services, not an expert at that. It wasn't e-commerce, not an expert at that. It's not technology, definitely not my, my area of expertise. Um, but financing is something that I really understood because I could talk to a business about their balance sheet, their P&L, um, where the money has come from, because I, I've also handled operations in the past, Bonobos, Equinox, have my own business. So I found the conversations that I was having with people are very different than what your traditional finance professional is asking. So they're talking about ratios and you know time to pay something back. And, and when I would get these entrepreneurs on the phone, they'd say, wow, this was like a different type of conversation to really get what I'm up to. So I interviewed around, I met with a couple of banks and other lenders and institutions, and they all say, well, I, I don't know, you don't have a finance background. And I say, it's, it's not like rocket science, you know, like, and, and, and by the way, you can't generate leads. So sounds like we're a match. And so these, <laughs> exactly. these guys that start funding, um, you know, they kind of fell for it, right? They're like, well, you know, the finance background, you know, I don't, I don't know if we could train you and, and have you ramped up in enough time. And I'm like, look, that's the, that's the easy part. You could learn that, right? Yeah, you can learn um, that for sure. You can't learn how to go out there and talk to people. You can't learn how to, how to excite people about what you do enough to get them to say, hey, I want to work with you, right? And that's where I was able to differentiate myself from other uh, people in the industry. And they said, you know what? You're right. Let's give it a shot. So I came on board to, to work for them full-time. It's where I am today, right? Again, uh, everybody in the industry, they find a job, two years, switch, two years, switch, you know, grass yeah. is always greener. Yeah. I've been here for almost eight years. Wow. And we're, we're having, a, yes, we're having a good time. Um, every year gets better and better. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of trust and I get a lot of flexibility. You know, for me, it's very, lifestyle is very important. Um, so even when I get calls from recruiters, I say, how many sales meetings do they have each week, and if the answer is more than zero, I say I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Um, I love it. I love it. That's a yeah, great. I yeah. love that one. That's awesome. My the owner of my firm here uh, uh, last year, you know, when COVID, he said, "Oh, since we're not in the office, we should really think about having a weekly sales meeting over the phone to like catch up." And I said, "You know what? You absolutely should. And if you could just email me the notes after that meeting, that would be great. So I'm kept up to speed, <laughs> right?" Um, I said, "The only meeting that I'm going to put on the calendar." is one that says, Avi, you're not performing. We need to talk every week to get you where you need to be. But if I continue to do well, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Yeah. You know, like, let me well, just keep doing my thing. It's period. such an, that's a, such an interesting thing you bring up because a lot of people think that communication has to be this sort of every week we're going to do this cadence and, you know, and, and for some people that may help, like, okay, I need to help you and mentor you, or there's a different relationship. Um, but what I've found is that just the conversation, just doing business, like working through 
a deal or a lead comes in or whatever, there's just natural touch points. There's this natural follow-up, right? So right. don't really need to like go over the grand scheme of things. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know, once a quarter or something, just, Hey, how's it going? Let's have dinner. But yeah, finding more and more that people are like having your attitude. This meeting could have been an email is a great meeting. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, when I, when I first started, you know, we met every week and we'd go through my sales pipeline and my business development efforts and everything else. And, and we'd go through it and say, okay, great. Thank you. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're like on every email. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally within talking distance of you, right? Like you can hear my, my what's going on now probably. And um, I'm like, we don't need to do this weekly. He's like, he's like, you know what? I'm glad you said that because these meetings are very boring, you know? And uh, it's just fun to be like redundant reiterating things. And, and again, like you said, some people need them. Um, I choose to not need them because I, I just, I, I'd rather have the flexibility and I think the meetings are boring. Um, now tell me you have like a client that wants to borrow millions of bucks. Like I'll sit and meet with you all day long until yeah. we figure out how we can yeah. get you onboarded and, and make you a client. Right. That's, yeah. that's a different well, kind there's of a, Yeah. Well, there's a, um, there's a goal. I mean, your job's to sell stuff. This is a right. sell stuff opportunity. I'm going to focus my energy on that as opposed to talking about selling stuff. Yeah. Right. Or having like a plan to plan. Um, yeah. I, so I hated that. In plan to plan something. We used to yeah. have, we used to have meetings before the meetings in corporate. Yep. Anytime yep. we talked to the CEO, we'd have to, I, I mean, literally if I was going to talk to the CEO, there was at least three pre-meetings to make sure that I didn't say something I wasn't supposed to say. And I'm like, wow. How many VPs are involved in this thing to make sure that, you know, I mean, I was like a product manager, design manager at the time. And I'm just like, you're that worried I'm going to like throw you under the bus? Well, I mean, I may because you pissed me off, but three meetings before the meeting, it was just ridiculous. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Bonobos, they started, um, he said, you should have, have, I think one or two people from your team in each meeting. Like your whole team doesn't need to go to a meeting where like marketing and the tech team or marketing and the, the, the guide shop or the retail team, right? You don't need all the teams there in the meeting. And if you don't have somebody that you could send to a meeting that you trust to bring back information or make, you know, simple decisions and follow up, then you don't have the right people on your team. And then you need to find people on your team that can go in and represent your team in a meeting versus having four people to sit there, five people. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, where was I before that? Was I done telling my story? I think so. Yeah, you're pretty. You're so, pretty there. So it, it it brought me, you know, full circle. Um, you know, Bernard. He, one day he said, you know, "I was like, oh, you know, I've been like talking with these companies, and this one wants like bring me on board. I'm like, I don't know. It's such a risk." And he said, "But isn't it worth doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, eventually, it's what I want to do." He said, "Then it's if it's worth doing at all, it's worth doing today." Wow. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Screw this. This is nonsense. And like picked up my stuff. I was like, I got to go to a doctor appointment, went home and like thought about it for the day. And then um, came back the next day, gave my two weeks, accepted the job. And then I was out. Um, so the rest is history. And now, you know, my, my job every day is speaking with entrepreneurs who have growth opportunities. They have, I could sell this to Walmart or the federal government or Target. And I just need some additional capital to fill these purchase orders. We have clients that sell bikes to Walmart, that sell candles to Home Depot, that sell 
Um, we just did a $5 million order for nitrile gloves that the, yeah. the VA was, was purchasing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So we do, we do a little bit of everything and it's what I, it's what I enjoy. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And it's also led me to, you know, a few different side hustles and opportunities that I've, that I've been involved in as well. Wow. Super cool. Yeah. This is always one of those fascinating things about where to get money. You know, there's, of course, there's the venture capital route, there's the private equity route, there's the funding with PO route, which I think is, I mean, I'm going to butcher what you guys do, but you know, there's an opportunity. There is some guarantee that something's going to happen. You just need to fulfill the order. So, or there's a clearly a growth opportunity on an existing business. And it's like, okay, yeah, we need a little capital. To, to make it happen little well four or five million bucks not a little bit of capital but you know <laughs> in the relative scheme of things you know if we were if we were talking right, about BlackRock right. that'd be like rounding error like oh, I don't even yeah. talk to me unless it's a hundred million dollar deal right. right or even now probably billion dollars Absol- you know, absolutely it's, it's nutty um so wow so how how why don't you take me through a little bit about how the process works because there is a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are really confused about raising money. Um, I mean, VC, we talk about VCs all the time. You know, that's, that's something that is always a crazy thing, but this is a little bit different. And I'd love for you to just kind of walk through kind of what your criteria is, how that works, what entrepreneurs need to know if they like, Hey, if I want to work with you, what are some of the things that need to happen? Sure. So the easiest way to think about what we do is we finance the production or acquisition of goods for resale. So when the question is, you know, how can I afford to produce X, Y, and Z to sell to my customer? That's where we come in. And we don't take any equity in the business. We are a short-term solution for handling these purchase orders. And oftentimes we kind of sit next to, um, you know, a senior lender or a general lender like a bank loan. So a company is, is trucking along, they're doing a million or $2 million in sales um, every year, and they land a purchase order from Target or Walmart for $5 million. And they want to roll it out across all their stores, um, add a couple of SKUs to that. And now they're like, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, right? So when they, when they get the purchase order, they'll come to us. Uh, we basically underwrite by saying, who's your end customer? And are they a credit-worthy entity? And do you have a reliable source of product on the front end? Um, and if those two questions, uh, the answers make sense, then we connect those dots. We pay for the goods to be produced, uh, either domestically or overseas. We'll pay for shipping, logistics, duties, freight, et cetera. Um, and we land the goods at the customer's door. And then when the customer pays their bill in 30, 60, or 90 days, that's when we get paid back. So it's, it's, we're, we're, to, we're completely relying on a specific transaction for funding that specific transaction within a business um, to help them get it done. Wow. Okay. Sounds pretty straightforward, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, what do I know? Right. Um, so, so this would imply that a company has to have some revenue. They're they're an ongoing concern. They're at a certain level, and they have either want to expand through okay, hey, we got this big customer, 
Um, is there any other criteria that could be like a little bit different, or maybe that's what your side hustle is about? Why don't you talk a little it bit could, about that? It could be it could be a brand new company, okay. right? And that's not a problem if it's uh, if it's their first purchase order ever. That's fine. Like this glove deal we we did for the VA, um, it was their first big sale that they did as a group, and oh, wow. we were able to come in and help them with five million bucks. Yep. Wow. Um, so it's really just very transactionally focused. And mm-hmm. as long as we can come in there and help, we can. Of course, from the institutional side, we'll want to see a, a certain size of deal, right? Um, in order to be able to help. And there is a whole other world of people, um, which kind of brings me to my side hustle, you know, the opportunities that I look at personally, that have an idea or an opportunity, but they lack, it could be a, it could be a, resources for mm-hmm. where to find the supply. It could be, they don't know how shipping and logistics works. It could be that they lack a certain um, level of experience or sophistication to just pull it all together. And I say, well, I have this idea or I have this project or I have this product that somebody wants and you know, I, I, they don't know what the next step is. So I'll come and, and help these micro businesses personally to say, if there's an area beyond just capital where I could add value to what you're doing, I'll come and help you get it done. That might mean um, negotiating with their vendors. It might mean um, setting up their supply chain or sourcing the actual products that they need to find. Um, it might mean that they they want to make this sale, but they, they don't have insurance mm. and they need to get set up with insurance and everything mm. else that that's yeah. required to sell to these big stores. Uh, there's a lot of things that come into play that a traditional finance company won't come in and help with because they're saying, you know, a company like mine, you got to have a PO and we'll help you. Um, you know, bank says you got to have revenue and we'll help you. A uh, big investment bank says, we want to see that you have $10 million in EBITDA, yeah. right? And, and earnings, and then yeah. we'll help you. So you have these little groups that are just like, just as hungry as you and me, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. as creative, some of them, yeah. but they weren't, maybe they weren't exposed to entrepreneurs growing up. Maybe they weren't exposed to logistics and operations or finance growing up. So they just lack, they're, they're missing something. And those are the opportunities that I jump in there to, to help um, yeah, on, is, on the personal side. Yeah, And that, that ranges from, uh, we did some PPE deals where we sold uh, gloves to Los Angeles County. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a situation where they received the purchase order, but they couldn't find all the gloves uh, or the capital to do it. And um, the buyer was being like a real jerk. Like, here's the order, follow the rules and that's it. And I said, no, no, we got to call them. He said, you can't call them. They only talk on email. I said, all right, we're going to call them. <laughs> and we got them on the phone and they explained, you know, we, we, we won this purchase order because we're a small business and it's a minority owned business. And, and you, you gave this purchase order to this person. Now you have to be flexible with them to help them deliver it. Yeah. Like you, you can't do any favors. You know, like, don't tell me you like want an award, whatever. And I said, okay, well, tell us what you guys need. All right. Um, we need to deliver every two weeks over a four month period. Uh, we need to be paid within five days of delivery and, you know, whatever else we need to, to pull it off. And they said, okay, let's do it. You know? And, but for the, the, the guy that I was working with, he was like, I, they won't listen. They won't talk to me. You know, I just have to, this is the only way to do it. If we call them, we're going to lose the contract. And I said, if you don't call them, you're going to lose the contract anyways. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
we, you know, so, so that's how we did. And that's how I look at these opportunities to say like, wow, like you're onto something and let me help you do a little bit more. Let me help you like really get it together. Yeah. Um, or sometimes it's, it's something small. Uh, there's one group that does uh, specialty Teflon cooking uh, appliances. Like, um, like when you go to Starbucks and you order a muffin and they put it in the oven, they put it on like a Teflon mat. So it's a yeah. stick, put it in the oven, they take it out. Yeah. Um, well, they don't, they don't sell them to Starbucks. They sell them to some really small, com- smaller convenience store chains and smaller buyers. And I said, um, well, I'll come and help you if we can have a goal of selling these to Starbucks and McDonald's for the two largest users of these products, probably on the planet. Right. Right. Um, and they're like, well, that's just hard. Cause they're on like a whole nother level than us. I'm like, well, let's, let's get on their level. Like, why are we, you know, like, why are we selling ourselves short? Because we feel like they're like different than us. They, they speak the same language. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they communicate with the same type of email. Like the <laughs> products are the products are the same exact product, same material. It's Teflon or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. 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 Um, like, why can't we call them? Well, it's not that easy. Okay. I'll call them. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so you know, so those are the, those are the things that I, that I look at and it, and it's, it's such like a pleasure, um, to help these, these micro businesses when they mm. have these opportunities, they just, something is just not clicking. Something is just not falling into place. Um, and that's really, that's really a pleasure. But it also, it also pisses me off because there are times where people will say, Oh, I, I contacted that vendor and they won't, they won't work with me. And here's why. And then I contact the vendor and, you know, tell my story and explain what's happening. And they're like, calling me back, texting me, Hey, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? You know? And sometimes the client's like, no, screw him. He wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't give me the time of day. It's like, like uh, the movie, pretty woman. Yeah. Which like walks into the store. Like yeah. no one wants to talk to her. And she comes back and like show the bags in their face, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like sometimes it's like that people just don't want to take the time and, and you know, it's, it's tougher for small entrepreneurs. Yeah. No, you I know, think how it's do they also go and argue one hundred percent. My, even, you know, women, minority entrepreneurs, ones that don't have as much support system, sometimes as much capital, sometimes as much just confidence, to be honest. And I don't think it's, I think it's interesting how, <laughs> you know, it's all, it's like a different perspective. It's, it's like when someone hires me to like figure out their story, right? Like they've been working on this, their product for years. They're entrenched. They are the, their way of thinking. They're in their groove. I would say like, well, you're in your groove, Right. Sometimes you just need someone to say, I'm like, well, what about this? And, oh, we've never done it that way. Well, why don't you try? What's it going to hurt? And then all of a sudden, oh, wow, uh, how, how, how come we didn't do this before? Well, it's because you're in your, you know, you're working in your business as opposed to working on your business. And there's no one there to like say, hey, said it. yeah, right. Like, hey, hello. And, and, and I think this is why I love doing this show and why I wrote the book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, because if you want to build a more ethical, inclusive and resilient world. What you need to do is give the opportunities for anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur and give them the skills to take advantage of opportunities that come. And traditionally and predominantly, I mean, no one can see what we look like, but two white guys with beards are the guys that normally do this. And then, I mean, you're in finance, you don't have a vest, which is cool because most VCs have vests, but (laughs) like the vested, right? But, um, you know, more people like us need to spread the word. We need to like really be open to like, we all entrepreneurs matter. And some of these things are not just, they're not like a racist thing 
They're like an education and an opportunity thing. And once we just like, how can we give you the education and opportunity to do this? The world just opens up. And I mean, I've seen this when I teach young, young kids entrepreneurship. It's like, all we got to do is just like, this is how you do it. And their, their, their mind just gets blown. They're like, this is it, <laughs> right? Right. You need, you, need to, you need to demonstrate and you need right. to show people. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not big into, into books. I'm, I'm big into like audio books. Like I'll listen to books all the time. I'm, I'm like my walk to work or I'm running my scooter to work. Um, and they give you great ideas. And I've tried to learn things from them, but it's, it's hard. You know, where I'm, I'm a guy that like, you know, either I like someone to like show me something or walk me through something. I just need it once and then I'm good. And a lot of entrepreneurs need that, you know, and, and we think, you know, we, we think entrepreneurs and we think, uh, or some people think who's building the next great technology, or I want to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to open up a clothing line or you're going to sell this, that there's a lot of entrepreneurs that do a lot of really random stuff. Like yep. there's a yep. lady who lives in long Island and all she does is sell toilet paper to New York city. And once a month, she ships a container of toilet paper in New York City. Yeah. That's all she does. Yeah. Toilet paper. And that's how she makes a living. She's an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, last 100%. year, over the last couple of months, with the shipping challenges that she's had, with the delays, 100%. Uh, I was introduced to her. She said, all my money is tied up in containers of goods that are on the water. And I need to deliver something to the customer or they're going to cancel this contract. Right? I said, buy the goods in the U.S can't it's too expensive when's the last time you looked five years ago when i first started this business i said okay it's time to look again and because of the the shipping rates going up where it used to be four thousand to ship in a container now it's 12 16 18 dollars wow. wow it's now less expensive for her to buy the goods domestically and she could ship it out within a week wow right to her customer and she just you know like you said before just in this thing and she's been doing it and this process she didn't even think to go outside of that. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's all she needed, you know, to think like, okay, I guess I should like give it a shot. And then and I told her, I said, if you don't call them and get back to me, I'm gonna call them for you. Yeah. And I'm gonna talk to them. And she said, No, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Um, so she called them and now she's set up much better. Yeah. Now she has multiple sources and can negotiate and, and figure out what she needs. You know, there's there's a lot of opportunities like that where um, you know, they just get stuck in a rut. And, and a process and they just need like a little nudge to get out of it. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know you're yeah. in the rut, right? Like you just don't know. It, it, it's, it's like every entrepreneur goes through this um, actually sometimes multiple times. I mean, that's part of the reason why coaching and mentorship is so important or, a, you know, having an advisor or trusted advisors that you can kind of like bounce things off of. I mean, there's been so many times, I mean, even in tech startups where, where I'm, primarily did a lot of what I, what I used to do. It just a dumb question, like opens up, <laughs> like open, like we had, I, I just remember this is like, like it was yesterday. We were working on this really hard technical problem with my team. I was VP of R and D at the time. And the, the marketing guy comes over and he's like, well, what's going on? I mean, he doesn't know anything about what we're doing. I'm like, ah, I can't get the signal here. My guys are frustrated. And he just looks at it and he's like, Oh, uh, is that plugged in? And I'm all, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, we, see, we, we looked over your, everything except- You had your blinders on. I guess I should plug it in. <laughs> you, had, you had your blinders on, man. <laughs> and that's our joke. Like 
every time we run in, we would run into a problem. We'd be like, his name's Jeff. Hey, Jeff, could you come over here and see if we plug this in? <laughs> and then, yeah. and I mean, more often than not, he, he would like simply walk us through the problem and be like, oh shit, we forgot that. Yeah. So powerful. And I, and I do think, yeah, I mean, we, we have to do more of this because it's such a hard job. Like this is not something that's easy. It's not, you know, a lot of, a lot of success is random at times and it's got a lot of hard work and it's nothing's guaranteed. You can never guarantee an outcome. You can only guarantee the effort you put into it. Um, but yeah, having this kind of collective, you know, collective wisdom. And, that and, and that's right. That's what you need to do. If, 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 if people are committed to helping, you know, underserved communities or underserved people to grow their businesses, you have to get your hands dirty with them, show yep. them how to do it. Yeah. It's not just, you know, the, the, the books will help. Um, you know, the, the, the webinars and the presentations are great. It, it definitely opens their minds, but there are, are certain things that they can only be taught when they see it. Like, you know, understanding how, you know, that it's okay to tell their story and that people want to listen and 100%. You know, to knock on doors and whatever they have to do to be successful. Um, it's, it's not oftentimes it's just, it's just a, one thing is unplugged, right? Like you have yeah. to sit thing, you have to plug it in. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's one plug missing and, and when you hit that, you're, you're good. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's what it comes down to for little entrepreneurs or young entrepreneurs or any uh, underserved I mean, entrepreneurs. Yeah. Any entrepreneur. Well, me, I mean, I'll give you the best example. My example is sales. I'm horrible yeah. at it. I have a, such an, a visceral reaction to the S word. <laughs> it's like a swear yeah. word for me. And I'm really struggle with this. And I try and I'm like, oh gosh, no, God, I feel so weird talking about this stuff. And, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are good salespeople and I try to take all the classes and they try to mentor me and teach me. And I just have this visceral reaction to it. And it's because, of, I mean, I'm an engineer. I was an engineer by training. I mean, now, I, of course, I have to do more sales and biz dev, but I mean, as an engineer by training, like engineers solve problems. We don't sell shit. That's not our job. Right. Right. But, but, right. but it, it, it's funny, right? Because it's self-confidence it's knowing what to do. It's getting over the imposter syndrome. It's like, I don't know if I can really do this. What are people going to think? Like all the things you talked about with these small micro businesses yeah. that are like a completely different thing apply to everyone in a certain way. Like technology, some people are like, oh, I don't know how to build this technology. I don't know what to ask. It's like, oh, I could tell, teach you how to do that. That's not that hard. But you know my spirit. problem? What's your problem? I, I am very bad at, I could sit in a room with people and, and talk for hours and listen and solve problems or be on the phone and give a presentation and whatever I need to do. Um, I have some type of like mental block with social media marketing mm. and email marketing. Oh, okay. Interesting. I had to hire somebody to do my social media for me because I just didn't like the way I sounded when I did it myself. Interesting. So I have this person that once a week they set up, you know, three days of, of campaigns for LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And I just read through it, say, great, blast it off. But when I tried to do it on my own, I would try to set these things up. And then I would like wake up the night before and I would cancel. Them. Like literally wow. it was like a block. And I'm just like that, like I look Whoa. at it like that's so, that, I'm like, that looks so stupid. Why would I say that? And I'd cancel it. Right. Interesting. And it wasn't until I found this guy to help me with social media marketing. I'm like, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to give you content. I don't want to talk about it. I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you the deals we close. I'll tell you when a piece of my content gets published. 
I'll tell you interesting things that happen during the day, right? But you need to take everything else and just pump it out. And I'm just going to go on and check for grammar and to make sure <laughs> you got like the, like, like the concepts, right? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You got it right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it. And, um, wow. and now like three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, social media gets pumped out. And there's one that's like Ask Avi campaign. I actually sent to my brother's social media. I said, check his, check out what he does. It's really cool. And um, so like a lot of stuff that that my guy's doing for me, like mirrors what my brother does. <laughs> and so it looks like I'm copying him. Like he did, my brother did this like Ask Aaron for insurance questions or whatever. Yeah. And so mine's Ask Avi for finance questions. And it's like oh. a big question and has like the answer on it. Oh, you um, know. I would, I would never do that. But right. every time it goes out, I'm like, what are people going to think? This is yeah. stupid. <laughs> um, but but he does it and, and people get it. They're like, I like, like, I like what you're doing. It's a little stupid, but it, it works and it gets some attention and well, it shows I, you're out there in the space. Well, but yeah. the one thing I can't get over email marketing. Really? Can't do it. Really? Again, can't do it. It's like the best I have, marketing on the planet other than word of mouth. I have probably 10,000 names and emails of companies that I spoke really? with, people that I spoke with. People that I, that I spoke with on LinkedIn, like so much data. It's in my CRM in, in Zoho, right? Yeah. Um, today, even, I'll tell you what, this morning, um, I for like the last probably 30 days, I've had this like list of emails from a conference that I went to and like business cards that I got. Yeah. I'm like, I got to follow up with all these people. Right. Right. And this morning, I finally uploaded it to my CRM like 30 days later. And uh, I sat there for probably a half hour. Like, all right, now I got to get this email out. And I, and I shut it down. It's, it's just some type of mental block with communicating through email or whatever else. I'm like, who's going to not read it? Who's going to put it into junk? Who's going to flag it as junk? Who's, you know, am I going to mess up the mail merge? Like something's going to happen. And it's just a total mental block. So wow. I find people to do it for me. Social media, check, email marketing. I'm, I'm on the hunt for somebody. If anybody's listening to this and they, oh, I, client, I, I know I'm, some. Great, I'm like low hanging fruit. I know some great people that can do, do that for you. No, honestly, because yeah. I think it's it's so wow, that's so fascinating. Like you pull together these million dollar deals over the phone. You're like, I oh, can't do I, social media, can't do email marketing. <laughs> I can't do email marketing. I wow. I could stand in front of a room of people and talk to them about absolutely nothing that they want to listen to, or walk up to anybody and start a conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there's something inside me that's like. Like, like if I email someone, it's going to come off as like wrong or too salesy or not sales, you know, there's some type of mental block. It's totally insane. Man, that's like me in sales. Honestly, I could, I could stand yeah. up in front of a group of thousands of random people. Like I don't even know them and I could right. pontificate and talk. And like, I had no problem with that. I've done it before. I love it. I could write books about it, like a blog, like all this sort of stuff. But when it comes to like, so, um, do you want to work together? You can't pick up a phone and call a customer. You know, it's, I'll be walking in, I'll be walking in a store. I'll tough. take a picture of something I like. And then I'll call the company the next day. Like, Hey, I was in Walmart yesterday and I saw your product on the shelf. And I want to talk to you about financing for your brand. Like I have no problem doing that. Right. <laughs> but, but give me like a hundred of those people. And I'm going to like blast out an email to try to get their attention. Um, you know, Hey, shipping debacle, what's going on? Anything we can do to assist you to bridge, you know, the next 45 days. I just, I won't hit send. Oh, wow. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, that's, 
I'm like, totally an ex- I'm like an expert on that. <laughs> that, that to me is like, that's my comfort zone. Cause that's writing. And of course, I, but that, that's, I that's what we need to do. You need, you need yeah. to find ways to, you know, like you said it before, work on your business, not in it. And even right. as an, an employee of, of one firm, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. stuff I do on the side. Um, I, I know that I need to find people to work. You know, I need to work on the business. Yeah. Even yeah. as an employee, as, as a vice president, I work on the business, not yeah. in it. And I need to find these professionals to put this stuff together because I have my weaknesses as well. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's, you know, everyone's got their flat spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even, even people that are, you think, quote unquote, got it figured out. I mean, a lot of, cause a lot of people, like a lot of, a lot of the startups I work with have the same problem. Mostly it really revolves around PR marketing and strategic communications. And what I mean by that whole mess of words is that usually there's the story that they're trying to tell is usually just completely mixed up or confounded with all these weird things and and like no, the 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 lubricant so to speak of how everything kind of gets done is the story i mean you know what you do the lubricant's money right but in order for you to get the money in the deals you have to tell a good story that that people can trust you that you're going to want to work together and yeah like the, it's funny because you know people would be like oh well, how many, how many email newsletters should I send a week or how or a month? And like, Oh, people are just going to delete them. And I'm like, well, if they're crappy, they'll delete them. Don't make them yeah. crappy. Right. And well, how do I not make them crappy? And so that's the communications strategy. Be interesting. Like you said, which I love your point about share your story, be who you are. Don't be some buzzword bingo, you know, circumvent the par- dominant paradigm, blah, blah. No one cares, right? No one cares. Be human. Yeah. And yeah. if you're human, both if you, if you write the way you speak, people will resonate with that. And the people they, they, they get off your list, fine, get some more people, but then you start to call in on this relationship. And the reason why I, I, I think email marketing is one of the best other than uh, word of mouth is because you're building a relationship over time and a cadence because a lot, a lot of times people won't need you yet. They'll be like, well, I really don't need all these, what a good guy. Like, but I just don't need his, what he's doing now. But when right. they do, they're like, I'm going to call you. That's the that's power. Exactly of, it. That's the power of email marketing and social media done right. That's strategic communications. That's PR and marketing. That's the lead gen part of how do I make this story really like compact, but then show who I am. So people are not, oh, you're just some silly finance guy. You're like, no, I do cool stuff. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, and that's, that's what I have this guy getting out there with social media to say, like, there's a presence or I've, I've done some articles for entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I may or may not have written them, but <laughs> they're my ideas. They're my ideas. <laughs> but they're my ideas. And, uh, that's common too. You know, don't don't worry. And, don't and, feel bad about right. that. Right. Absolutely. And and they it's all about for me, validation is how mm-hmm. I call it. You know, mm-hmm. not so much lead generation because everybody says, Well, how many leads are you generating from this stuff? So I don't think many, but I know that the prospects that I speak to mm-hmm. hang up the phone and they Google me. Yeah. And then 100%. they Google my and then they Google my competitors. And then they 100%. Google whoever it's to speak to. And you know who they see that's out there in the market, like sharing information and and commenting on LinkedIn and doing whatever else, you know, hanging out on podcasts, talking to cool people. It's like, oh, Avi's doing that. Avi's out there. Avi's, you know, getting involved and, and 
know, giving back to the community, if you will, with education, all, all this other stuff. And people appreciate seeing that. Um, yeah. There, there's one client we recently brought on and she's, her original business, she's actually a marketing agency. She does like social media marketing. Yeah. And, um, and she's like, oh, you know, she said it too. Like, oh, I love the stuff you're doing. I'm like, don't talk to me about it. It scares me. <laughs> I have somebody else that does it. I don't want to hear about it. It's embarrassing. Right. Right. Um, but she said, you know, Avi, the reason why I went with you is because you're like this forward-thinking, modern type of firm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, you see my office, they're not very like modern. Right? Actually, <laughs> well, my office same- is my apartment. I mean, I'm in my front room of my apartment. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been in the same place for 20 years. We have the same process for 20 years. Yeah. But you know, the, the information that I'm putting out there is is validating who we are as a yeah. professional organization that's been around for 20 years. And, yeah. you know, we're not scared to let people know that. Yeah. No, but, I mean. So it, so it, it helps. It def- 100% it helps. Yeah. It, it's, it's, this is the, and again, I'm glad you brought that up as well, because this is the problem I always have when people ask me about what's the ROI, everyone wants the ROI, what's the ROI on PR marketing and strategic communications. Like, what's the ROI, Jari? Like, how much, if I put this money in, how much do I get back? And I always have a hard time with the ROI because it's hard to have an ROI on stuff like this. You can do stuff like earned media, like, oh, I got on the CBS Evening News. Oh, I got on a podcast. Oh, I got this article. Okay, you can do all that. And that's all great and fine. But the real nut of it, the real value is exactly what you just said. When someone Googles you, you have to have a a position, a voice, and you have to show signs of life. And if you don't do that, then people are not going to trust you. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people or met people or they inbound me and say, hey, I love your show. I love the way you talk. Really cool. Thank you so much. I don't, I mean, the ROI on my podcast, I don't know what it is, but it's just fun to do. Like, like I get to talk to people. Yeah, you have to me. do it, right. I have to right. do it because it's, it's like, I, the, the podcasting is the best way for someone to hear what you sound like. I mean, video too, but more importantly, when you communicate, there's lots of different ways to communicate, but there should be a kind of a multi-channel way where some people consume things differently. Some people like to read. Some people like to watch videos. Some people like to listen. Some people like like memes. Some people like it's social media. They, they're going to check you out. And if you're not around, they're going to be like, who is this person? They want to get to know you first before they do business with you. So I'm glad you brought that up, man. That was A+. Plus. <laughs> Did yeah, it get yeah. Good today. <laughs> well, hey, man, it's just been such a great conversation. I wish we could go on longer, but we have to wrap it up. So thank you so much for, for everything you do. Appreciate you taking us through what it's like to finance. And of course, I'll put all the links to what you do in the show notes. And um, thanks again, man. Stay safe. You got it. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Avi, for the awesome interview. I really appreciated your perspective on raising money and financing orders and all that fun stuff. It really is super important for entrepreneurs to know that. All right, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Avi. Know where you're strong and where you're weak. Avi is comfortable talking to people one-on-one or over the phone. His ability to get leads was largely why he was taken on at Starfunny, but he confesses to having a weak spot when it comes to social media and email. So he's hired someone to help him in those areas. I mean, yeah, 
Like you got to know your strengths and weaknesses and you don't really have to um, strengthen up your strengths or sorry, strengthen up your weaknesses, but you need to know what they are. I mean, go hire someone if you can't, don't really want to, you know, get dig into it. I mean, that's a really hard thing to do when you're early on, but very good advice to give. So I'd say, ask the question, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And how can I get help for what I'm not good at? Be open to outside perspectives. Sometimes someone coming in from the outside can point out an issue or solution to those in the business that they just can't see. And this is so true. An outside perspective is an amazing thing. Um, I would definitely ask questions like, um, who do I trust outside of this problem or company or market that could maybe give you some insights that you may not have? Or like, what are my flat spots? Like, what am I missing? Very important to have self-reflection on that. Even though Avi doesn't do his own social media, he recognizes its importance. Having your name out there in conversations is a powerful way to be validated and to give people an understanding of who you are and what you do. And I think this is a really important thing for any kind of entrepreneur, biz dev, marketing person. I mean, you got to get out there. People need to know who you are. I mean, I get told this all the time. When I first meet someone, they're like, oh, I listened to your podcast. I read your book. I kind of already know who you are. I already know what to expect. And, oh, you meet expectations. So that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, so there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Avi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.